Is the rapture the same as the second coming? And if not, then when is it most likely to occur? And what about the millennium? Are we in it now, or is it a period of 1,000 years that still lies ahead of us? And why should the promise of those two future events give us a sense of overwhelming hope right now? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Each year, our ministry sponsors a Bible conference that is held in the Dallas, Texas area in mid-July. In 2017, our conference theme was Living with Hope in the End Times. Our keynote speaker was Dr. Ed Heinsohn, who presented an overview of God's promises for the future, promises that should give us great hope in the present. He was followed by Dr. Tommy Ice and Evangelist Don Perkins. Dr. Ice spoke on the glorious promise of the rapture of the church, and Evangelist Perkins spoke about the wonderful promises of the Lord's millennial reign. I want to provide you with excerpts from both of their presentations, and we're going to start with Dr. Ice and what he had to say about the rapture of the church. The segment I want to share with you is where he goes into detail proving that the rapture is an event separate and apart from the second coming. Dr. Tommy Ice founded the Pre-Trib Research Center together with Tim LaHaye in 1994, and he serves today as its director and spokesman. Here now is Dr. Ice. So, when you look at the rapture, if you put all the passages on the rapture on one side, and you put passages that relate, and these are only some of them, to the second coming, and you compare, you summarize and then compare them, you'll see that there are differences between the rapture and the second coming, as illustrated by the graphics. You see that the rapture is Christ coming in the cloud, not all the way to planet earth, and we go up to meet Him, and then we are taken to the Father's house to heaven. The second coming is where the church, who's already up there, returns with Him, all the way down to terra firma, to planet earth. And we remain and reign and rule with them for a thousand years. So those are two totally different events qualitatively when you start analyzing them. At the rapture you have the translation of all believers. You know, whether they want to or not, right? Kicking and screaming. And there's no translation mentioned in second coming passages. They're all staying here on planet earth. By the way, it's the unbeliever who's removed and prevented from going into the kingdom. And at the rapture you have translated saints that go to heaven, but translated saints return to the earth at the second coming. Uh, the earth is not, there's no judgment language in rapture passages. But there's all kinds of blood and guts and judgment and stuff at second coming passages. That's the purpose. See, God's not going to set up any old kind of kingdom. He's going to set up a righteous kingdom. So that means unrighteousness have to go. You know, these people that say, oh, I wish God, why does He allow evil? They don't realize that if He didn't allow evil, they'd be the first to go. <laughs> Unless they knew Christ. 
the rapture is said to be imminent any moment and signless. There are no signs that it could happen at any moment. And this is why you can't date the rapture. I, I mean, I asked it out for a date once and it said, I don't date. You know, but nevertheless, it's because you're to always be anticipating Christ. Just like the bride didn't know when her groom was coming in the Jewish wedding. You're to always be ready. If you had a date, then you'd be a slacker at times. You know, he's not coming until October, you know, because of the fall feast stuff. Those fall feasts, I think, all relate to Israel. You know, you can't pick the times or the seasons, as as Jesus said in Acts 1. And so the rapture could happen. So we're always to be ready. We're always to be waiting, watching. And then we see that the second coming follows all kinds of signs. I mean, you got the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments, the antichrist, the sign of the covenant, the rebuilding of the temple, you know, the angelic witnesses, 144,000. You know, all of these things precede this. It says in Matthew 24, 29, it says, after the tribulation of those days, then the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, you know. He darkens the stage, and then he comes back with his sign, the Shekinah glory in some way, that floods the sky. And so it follows. There are all kinds of events leading up to the second coming. But at the rapture, that's not predicted in the Old Testament, as we've said, but the second coming is predicted often in the Old Testament. It's for believers only. Uh, the rapture is true believers uh, the second coming affects all mankind. We see the fact that it's before the day of wrath, as we'll point out here in a moment, uh, before the tribulation period. Uh, there are 22 terms in the Old Testament. Many are carried over in the New Testament that describe the 70th week of Daniel. It's called the, the tribulation, the wrath, great tribulation, uh, day of God's judgment, etc. But the second coming concludes the day of His wrath, as I just quoted in Matthew twenty four twenty nine. And then we see there's no reference to Satan. He's not found in relation to the rapture, but Satan is bound at the second coming. And we see that Christ comes for His own, but He comes with His own at the second coming. At, and Christ in the rapture comes in the air. He doesn't come all the way to planet Earth. It's a totally qualitatively different event, as we've been saying. But Christ comes to the earth with his bride, as Revelation 19 describes. Then we see Christ claims his bride at the rapture. And then Christ comes with his bride at the second coming. And only his own will see him at the rapture, but every eye will see him at the second coming. And then the tribulation begins at the rapture, after the rapture. And the millennial kingdom begins after the second coming. And so these are qualitative differences. And the more you see the differences, obviously you're, the more you're going to be pre-trib. And I believe there needs an interval of events between the rapture and second coming. You have the 24 elders in heaven. You have the beam of judgment. You have the bride is prepared. We're going to have a whole lecture on that leading up to then the second coming. So there has to be some kind of time interval between the rapture that gets the church up there and uh, the preparation for the bride to return with Christ. 
And you have the doctrine of eminence, another Latin word. I think it's never used in the King James, but it is, I think, once used in the New American Standard in Philippians or something. But and it means an event that could but not necessarily take place at any moment. So uh, soon is not the same as imminent. An imminent event could happen soon or it may not occur for 2,000 years. No prophetic event must take place before an imminent event can happen. Uh, you know, Israel's back in the land. hundred years ago, Clarence Larkin's speculated there'd be a 50-year interval between the rapture and the start of the tribulation. Because he said, well, Israel's not back in the land, Babylon has to be rebuilt, etc. And he gave a lot of reasons. Well, some of those things have already happened, but they didn't have to happen, you see. So we don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to rebuild the temple before the rapture? We don't know. So the rapture is imminent while Christ's second coming is not. And some of the passages that teach imminence is 1 Corinthians 1 7, for example, eagerly, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we're waiting for Christ. In fact, the leading post tribulationist, Robert or Bob Gundry, uh, wrote a book in the 90s entitled First the Antichrist. See, he's waiting for the Antichrist because he's post-trib. And he's right. If the rapture is post-trib, then the Antichrist has to come first. But since the rapture is not post-trib, and this means that they cannot follow these eminence passages. We're waiting for Christ, not the Antichrist. That's why we can comfort one another with these words. And then we see the word Maranatha. It means our Lord come. It's an Aramaic term, but it also anticipates an eager expectation of that. And then we see Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see the Lord is near. That's the Greek word engase, meaning at hand, like you can reach out and grab it. And I, use, I like to use the illustration, you know, the Minnesota Vikings have been in the Super Bowl f- four times. Uh, the NFL championship has been at hand <laughs> within reach, so, along with the Buffalo Bills. They were there four times and lost all four times. Uh, but they've never achieved that, you see. So j- something is near, meaning at hand, is the idea there. But it doesn't mean something has arrived yet. So the Lord is near. Uh, we see in First Thessalonians 1.10 how they turn from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven. This is in the second epistle that Paul wrote. They're waiting for His Son from heaven. See, why are you waiting? Because there's no signs. There's nothing to look for. The looking passages occur like in the Olivet Discourse leading up to the second coming and all of that where you can see events if you were in the tribulation. And we see looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. Actually, that should be translated as the same word for waiting but it was translated looking for the blessed hope, but actually it means waiting for the blessed hope 
and appearing of the glory of our great God. We're, we're looking for Christ. And so this idea of eagerly waiting pictures eager expectation indicated by the head bent forward to catch the first glimpse of an advancing procession. It also notes one staying up late in eager expectation of seeing a late arriving guest. You know how you were when you were a kid, at least we were. Oh, your cousins are coming today. You know, at 7 o'clock you're up waiting, and about 9 or 10 p.m. they show up. And every time a car goes by, you know, is that them, is that them? You know, well, that's the picture. In James 5, 7 through 9, the oldest book in the New Testament, the first one ever written, says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. So this idea of standing right at the door means it's the next event. Christ in Prophecy and our review of excerpts from the presentations that were made at our 2017 annual Bible conference whose theme was Living with Hope in the End Times. Dr. Ice proceeded in his presentation to present detailed biblical evidence in behalf of his contention that the rapture will occur before the tribulation begins. I want now to share with you an excerpt from Evangelist Don Perkins' presentation about the millennium. Don is the founder of a Bible prophecy ministry called According to Prophecy. It's headquartered in the San Diego, California area. Here now is Don Perkins speaking about the promise of the millennium. Now, I'm a topical teacher. I'm going to give you seven topics. We're going to cover them pretty fast, but I'm going to give you seven topics regarding the millennium. First, we're going to see what is the millennial reign of Christ. I like to define the study. Then we're going to see the order of events leading to Christ's rule. Then we're going to look at different views taught regarding this period. There are different views out there, and I want you to understand that there are some views out there. Then we're going to see promises of his reign in the Scripture. We're going to see that the Word of God declares that Christ, our Savior, must reign. Then we're going to see promises of the saints to reign with Christ. And I love this part because it talks about we, the redeemed. We're going to literally reign with the Savior, and I love that. Then we're going to see the living conditions of the thousand-year millennial kingdom. We're going to see that, that, that the, uh, the millennium will affect the world in a way like no other event. And then uh, last, we'll look at the scripture text of the millennium in the book of Revelation. What we're going to do, we're going to see some amazing things as we look at the text, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 20, we're going to see what's going to happen, and then I'm going to sum it up. So first of all, what is the millennial reign of Christ? Now I know in a conference like this, I'm talking to a lot of prophecy buffs, but I know we have a lot of people that are listening, or maybe first time here who don't know what the millennium is. So what is the millennium? What is the term millennium? Let me, let me first define that. The term millennium is taken from two Latin words, uh, milli, which means a thousand, and the word annum, which means years. When the words are combined, the word simply means 1,000 years. So we're going to see this, this uh, 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 millennial kingdom is a thousand year event that the word of God has predicted in prophecy. Now, this would be a period of time in which Jesus Christ will reign on the earth for 1,000 years in fulfillment of many prophecies. During this rule, Christ, uh, uh, during this rule, 
uh, uh, during the rule of Christ, Satan will be bound and sealed in the bottomless pit. So he will have no influence in the earth to deceive mankind. That's going to be a wonderful event, a wonderful time, the binding of the devil. And I'm going to show you that as we go forward uh, in the teaching. At this time, Jesus Christ will rule the entire world. And he will be king of kings and lord of lords. He will sit on the throne of King David, ruling over Israel and again, the en- entire world. Uh, this is a wonderful event that we're going to see in the scriptures. Again, there are all kind of wacky views out there. Some people believe that the millennium will never come. And again, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to show you it's a promise. It's, it's going to happen. Just like uh, uh, Ed Hines, uh, uh, Ed talked last night about the rapture. You know, a lot of people, if they say the rapture would never, never happen, uh, they really coming against the scriptures. I mean, their problem is the timing of the rapture. If you deny the rapture, you're denying the word of God. But we're going to see the same is true with this thousand year millennial kingdom. Now, I'm going to quote Dr. Uh, J.D. White Pentecost from his book, Things to Come. Listen what he says about the millennium. He says uh, the millennium will be the period of the full manifestation of the glory of Jesus Christ. There will be the manifestation of the glory associated with the glorious dominion in which Christ, by virtue of obedience unto death, is given universal dominion uh, to replace that dominion which Adam lost. There will be the glory of the glorious uh, government in which Christ, as uh, David's son, is given absolute power to govern. There will be the glorious uh, there will be the glory of the glorious inheritance in which the land and the seed promised to Abraham are realized through Christ. Uh, We're going to see again that Israel will experience everything that was promised to Abraham. We know Israel never experienced the full uh, land grant that God promised them. But Israel will have it during the time of the millennial kingdom. I also want to quote uh, John, uh, John F. Uh, Walvert from his book, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he said. He said, advocates of this view hold that the millennium is a period in which Christ will literally reign on earth as its supreme political leader. And that, uh, and that many promises of the Old Testament relating to the kingdom, of, of, uh, kingdom on the earth uh, uh, in which Israel will be prominent and Gentiles will be blessed, will have complete and literal fulfillment. I love that. We're going to see prophecies that must be fulfilled. Uh, Christ, the Bible is going to give us that he will be the political leader of the world. Now, how many would agree with me that we need a political leader like Christ? Oh, yes, we do. We do. As a matter of fact, uh, right before my session, I was watching the news uh, this afternoon and uh, one of the federal uh, courts uh, just uh, said that a prayer before a civil council meeting, uh, they said that it was it was unconstitutional. I'm thinking, yeah, we, we definitely need the millennium. We need we need Christ on the scene because we got wacky leaders uh, in power now. Let's look at some of the order of events leading to the millennium. And what I'm going to do, I'm just going to hit a few of those things. Uh, but I'm going to show you there are some significant events that must take place before the thousand year millennial reign uh, coming to there. So I bring you back to our prophecy chart. And uh, the first one, uh, well, we're in the church age here, but I want to first deal with the one called the rapture. Uh, the rapture, again, is one of those events that must take place before the millennium. First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, verse 13 through 18. I'm looking for that. Uh, I, I preach all across the country. I believe in the rapture. I, I have rapture drills. You know, I'm, I'm looking for the rapture. <laughs> I'm ready for this event to take place. Uh, you know, uh, 
we're going to be changed, as Tommy shared. I, I love it. I cannot wait for this, for this wonderful event. You know, the rapture is going to deliver us from backaches, pain, Tylenol, uh, Advil. I can't wait for the rapture. But one of the blessings of this event that we'll have a glorified body, we will, we will be delivered of that sin nature. And we're going to find out a little bit more about that in reference to being tied to the millennium. Now, going a little bit further with the chart, another event is that seven year of great tribulation. Now, the Bible predicts this event, 21 judgments, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vile judgments, plus Antichrist and his economic system with the mark of the beast. A lot of things will happen, but these events must happen. God will allow the Antichrist a season to wreak havoc in the earth. But God has put a time limit on his reign. And what's going to happen, Christ will come back uh, in that second coming. Uh, here in the second coming and the battle of Armageddon, Christ will bring an end to the Antichrist's kingdom. And then he's coming to set up his kingdom. But look at this. I love this. Revelation 19, 11 through 16, it talks about the literal return of the Savior. And I love it, saints. I love the rapture. And I love the second coming. Both of these events will be a blessing for the redeemed. And I love this picture. Uh, everywhere I go, I talk about this picture because I really like this picture. Uh, let me show you something. F- follow the arrow on this picture. You see that? See right there where I'm pointing right there? That's Brother Perkins riding that horse. <laughs> yeah, I believe it, saints. I've said from coast to coast, you know, it's time to name your horses, saints. Christians need to name their horses. Well, I believe that Christ is coming back and we're going to come back with him. We're going to come back as the glorified. We're going to help Christ govern. We're coming back uh, uh, to go into his, his, his government as his administration. And we're going to see some beautiful things. Again, as a result of the second coming, the Bible talks about the battle of Armageddon. Christ will come back as a man of war to take, it, take authority in the earth. He's going to take authority in the earth. Christ is coming back in a different capacity. He's coming back to take full authority. He's going he's gonna to deal with Antichrist. The Bible says the Antichrist and false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire. And then God's going to bind the devil in the bottomless pit. We're going to see in a little bit. But we're going to look here at this wonderful thousand-year millennial kingdom of our Savior. And again, saints, I, I, I long for this wonderful event. Now, before we get to those uh, different aspects of it, I want to show you some, some different views that are taught regarding the millennial kingdom. And you must understand that these are views out there. The first view is called the millennial view. The millennial interpretation is a denial that there would be a 1,000-year reign of Christ uh, after his return to earth. It is an millennial or a non-millennial view because it denies such a literal reign of Christ on the earth. This view was developed in 400 AD by St. Augustine. It was adopted by the Roman Catholic Church in 431 AD at the Council of uh, Ephesus. So they, they don't believe in a millennial reign or a millennial kingdom. Ah, it's no millennium. Well, to do that, you got to get rid of a lot of scriptures that I'm going to give you in a little bit. Yeah, the millennium, we're going to see it's biblical, We're going to see that that the millennium is an event that we must talk about, and it's a promise that we must look for and expect. So this is one of the views, the amillennial, which does not stand the test of Scripture. Here's another view. It's called the post-millennial view. This view basically suggests that the world will get better and better until the whole world is Christianized, at which time Christ will return to a kingdom of peace. This view was, was originated by Daniel Whitby in 1638 uh, seven, uh, on to uh, 1726, a Unitarian in England. 
Although he was censored for some of his heretical views, many conservative theologians rapidly embraced and propagated his viewpoint on the millennium. And again, this view, again, has a lot of problems because they, they are depending on mankind to cause the world to become better and better and better, and then Jesus will come back. Well, you know, if man could fix the problems, Jesus didn't need to come. God understood that mankind could not fix this, fix this world. Uh, mankind cannot handle it. Uh, you look at all the world governments today, uh, all we see is the arm of flesh, men trying to do it, but they can't do it. Yeah, this post-millennial interview has a lot of problems, a lot of problems. Now, this is the view that I hold to and I teach, and I believe it stands uh, the test of Scripture. It is the pre-millennial view. This view holds that Christ will return to earth literally and bodily before the millennial age begin, and that by his presence, a kingdom will be instituted over which he will reign, and all that, uh, and, and all that of Israel's covenants will be literally fulfilled. It will continue for 1,000 years, after which the kingdom will be given by the Son to the Father when it will merge uh, with his eternal kingdom. Generally speaking, one's view of interpreting of Scripture determines whether or not he or she is, pre is a premillennialist. For the most part, all who believe the Bible to be literal are premillennialists. Now, I am a premillennial teacher. I believe, I believe in it. I believe in a literal text of the Scripture. This view stands the test of Scripture and gives a clear and balanced perspective on God's end-time program. With clarity, it makes plain sense of the Scripture. As a colleague once said, and we've heard it many times, when the plain sense makes sense, there's no other sense lest you wind up with nonsense <laughs> or confusion. And again, there's a lot of confusion out there. I meet, I meet people all across the country. I've debated with people who, who tell me, man, we're in the millennium now. And I show them we're not in millennium now, and I, I'm going to see that in a little bit too. But there's some wacky stuff out there. And again, I like to stick with the authority of the word. Don't you just love Don Perkins' enthusiasm for God's word and the promises contained in it? Don proceeded to discuss the biblical promises of the millennium, the fact that the saints will reign with Jesus during the millennium, the living conditions that will characterize the millennium, and what the book of Revelation has to say about the thousand-year reign of Jesus. The complete presentations by both Dr. Ice and Evangelist Perkins are available on our 2017 conference album titled, Living with Hope in the End Times. In a moment, our announcer will tell you how you can get a copy of this video album. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope, the Lord willing, that you'll be back with us this next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Folks, I am delighted to announce that the video album of our 2017 Bible Conference is now available for distribution. The theme of the conference was Living with Hope in the End Times. The album contains three DVD discs, and they in turn contain all six of the presentations that were made at the conference. Dr. Ed Heinsohn, the Dean of Liberty University School of Religion, kicked off the conference by presenting an overview entitled, The Believer's Exciting Future. He was followed by Dr. Tommy Ice, the Director of the Pre-Trib Research Center, who spoke on the promise of the rapture. 
Next was Pastor Glenn Meredith of the Brookhaven Church in McKinney, Texas, who presented an inspiring sermon about the promise of rewards. Evangelist Don Perkins, the founder and spokesman for According to Prophecy Ministries in San Diego, California, spoke on the promises of the millennium. Dr. Andy Woods, a Houston area pastor and the president of the Schaefer Theological Seminary, presented a fascinating study of the promises of the eternal state. The last presentation on the album was one that I made regarding the question, Is There Any Hope for America? It can be yours for a gift of $25 or more, including the cost of shipping. To order a copy, call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time or order online at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.